You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here on NapaBroadcasting.com. I don't think I have to tell anyone that it's been a difficult week here in Napa. It began with an officer-involved shooting in Alta Heights on Friday night, an apparent murder-suicide in the vineyards in Yountville on Monday, and the discovery of three bodies in two separate apartments on Monday and Tuesday. These things generally don't happen here in Napa, at least not all at the same time. In fact, someone said to me earlier in the week that this wasn't a law enforcement issue. It was an issue for statisticians to look at. Well, I don't have Nate Silver here, but it is my pleasure to welcome Napa Sheriff John Robertson, who, to say the least, has had a busy week. I thank him for taking time to be with us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. Sheriff Robertson, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. I realize that there's a lot that you can talk about with with many of these cases, but I want to get a sense, first of all, overall, for what it's been like for you and the department this week, just given the volume of things that you've all had to deal with. Well, obviously, it's been a a busy week, and normally we don't see events like this occurring in in our community um, at this rate. Um, But then again, there's also uh, a couple of these incidents that um, we've responded to that, quite frankly, we we do respond to uh, periodically through the year, and uh, and we deal with them uh, normally uh, quietly, uh, whether they're accidental deaths or suicides or things like that. We don't really go out and report on that, but just as things were transpiring over the last uh, seven to ten days, um, you know, it's got the community on edge, and we realize that. One of the things, and, and I think it's important to emphasize, that some of these things that did happen are things that do happen in the community from time to time, as you say, the discovery of, of someone that had died or what have you. It's really that the volume of things that happened in such a compressed period of time that's really given it a, a different perspective. Absolutely. It certainly uh, has stressed our resources, uh, obviously, and in a community like ours, um, you know, we we enjoy a very low crime rate. Uh, so when you have major major cases or major investigations, whether it be an officer-involved shooting or, or a homicide, um, it, it does stress uh, our investigations and, and certainly our coroner's office. Talk about that. Your department, the sheriff's department, you oversee the coroner's office. Talk a little bit about how it has been for that department and a little bit about how the coroner's office operates here in Napa County. Well, uh, we are, uh, you know, by law, um, the coroners, and we do respond uh, daily uh, to investigations uh, of deaths when they, when they occur, whether naturally or by accident. Um, or when a life is taken, uh, unfortunately. And, and uh, we have two corner investigators, and we also, at times like this, uh, obviously press our, our entire investigations division in, uh, into these investigations. Talk a little bit about the interface in, the, in, in these investigations between the sheriff's office, the Napa PD, and even the investigators in the DA's office when their services might be needed. Well, uh, as we as we saw last last Friday, we had an officer involved shooting, and uh, I was uh, contacted by Chief Potter, and he asked us if we would uh, take the lead on the investigation, which is which is common. It's common in the state of California, and it's common for us to uh, run an independent investigation when another agency has been involved 
in an incident. One of the other aspects of this really relates to something that you and I even talked about during the earthquake, which is the real cooperation that we see in this community between different law enforcement jurisdictions and not the kind of friction or problems that some other communities, frankly, face, that it really is a great working relationship here. Uh, we, uh, you know, obviously we benefit. We benefit from uh, a very low crime rate, which it, it comes from a lot of work. It comes from a lot of work that, that uh, our local communities, police departments, district attorney's office, uh, quite frankly, our Department of Corrections and Probation. Um, we all we all work together in a community partnership, and uh, everybody's got a role in there. And right down to evidence-based programs uh, for people uh, while they're incarcerated or or getting released from jail. But um, out on the street, uh, the sheriff's office provides daily service to Calistoga, Saint Helena. Uh, who have their own police departments, obviously Napa Police Department, when they when their uh, personnel are are taken up uh, addressing other issues, will will oftentimes go in and help them out. And and uh, as you know, as we saw on Monday uh, when we had a homicide out in the county, uh, Napa Police Department responded to assist us. Not only Napa Police Department, but the California Highway Patrol. Uh, Sonoma County Sheriff's Office and Sonoma, actually the city of Sonoma Police Department responded to help us. Uh, and uh, we also obviously used the district attorney investigators and uh, and one of the assistant DAs uh, themselves monitor our cases. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about information getting out to the public and the process that that takes within all law enforcement, obviously specifically to, to your department, to the sheriff's department, and how information is put out there. Because oftentimes it comes out piecemeal or something might not be correct or somebody runs with a piece of incorrect information. Talk a little bit about the process that, that you use. Well, it, you know, it, it's, it's one of our responsibilities to get information, especially when there's uh, some fluid event that's occurring where the community safety uh, is at risk. And so, you know, we're, we're struggling with it, uh, just as a lot of people are. Um, we're struggling with how to get the message out and how to do it uh, expeditiously. And, and uh, the old way we used to do it by, by uh, contacting the media and doing press releases and things like that, those are kind of falling by the wayside now. We use, uh, we use a system called Mixel. Um, which uh, is a free system to anybody that wants to subscribe to it. It's an opt-in, opt-out. You can subscribe to the California Highway Patrol or Napa County Sheriff's Office or Napa Police Department, Calistoga, St. Helena, Napa State Hospital if you want to. Uh, I think even the line train police uh, at one point were going to be posting on Nixle. Um, But again, it's an opt-in, opt-out thing. We do have about 6,000 subscribers now. And when something happens, uh, when there's something that affects the community, um, obviously in an emergency, as we had with the earthquake and things like that, we try to put uh, information out on Nixle uh, as an alert, and uh, it can notify you on your on your cell phone or on your laptop computer or whatever you have. I want to go back and, and talk about the beginning of all of this Friday night, the officer-involved shooting that happened in Alta Heights, and the sheriff's department being the, the, taking the lead in the investigation. 
Talk a little bit about how that procedure will work. I know there was a lot of, I, I was out, I live in Alta Heights, I was out there on Friday evening, a lot of mm-hmm. concern in the community about how that process would work. And of course, it all relates to the incident that happened in Alta Heights a couple of years ago, and everybody's very, as you say, on edge about that. You bet. It, well, you know, it's our first responsibility in law enforcement to, to expedite our response to any scene, and, and we attempt to control the environment and we want to reduce the risk to the community. And, and so when we respond directly to the scene, uh, what happens is the first officer or deputy on the scene takes the initial command and they direct resources in or stage people like fire, medical, additional law enforcement, if you need to set up a perimeter or, or deal with other issues. And uh, we just attempt to contain that scene. So we have two priorities. One, we want to resolve the issue, and we want to reduce the risk to the responders and to the community. And uh, I think people uh, don't realize it sometimes, but things can happen very quickly at times, and often decisions are made in fractions of a second. Uh, Action is taken when an individual perceives a threat, and uh, that perception is based on training and experience. But we have, we're fortunate to have uh, a major crimes uh, investigations team in Napa County, which allows us to have 20, 25 uh, investigators and things like that respond to a scene. In the case where Napa Police Department was involved, um, we would uh, eliminate the uh, Napa Police investigation uh, investigative team members uh, just simply because we want to run an independent investigation. And it's very important for us uh, to maintain that independence. Uh, we have the trust of the community and we want to keep that trust and we want to do a very, very thorough investigation. So, um, I, I'm happy to go into what happens in an officer involved shooting. And Absolutely. When the, please, please. Oh, okay. So the, the first step uh, is identification of, uh, basically a lead agency, uh, which is, which is typically based on jurisdiction. It's common in an officer-involved shooting, as I've talked about, for an agency having jurisdiction to request a different agency take the lead, as was the case uh, when Steve Potter called me. Uh, He asked if we could take the lead or or be the lead agency on this case um, to to basically perform this uh, investigation. So we assign a lead detective, and uh, the lead agency decides decides who that's going to be. And the scene is secured by the first available units, and, and we, we bring in additional resources and basically put up the yellow tape, uh, the crime scene tape. And it, we do that uh, as soon as possible, and it's a priority. And what we like to do is, is put that out usually further than we think we need to, uh, and then reduce the scene uh, as the investigation continues and allow people access back into their homes and, and things like that. So the involved officer uh, will, on the scene, provide a very brief statement to the first supervisor on the scene. That statement's like how many rounds or bullets they had fired in what direction, uh, or if there's any other suspects outstanding. Uh, We want to make sure that there are no more threats to the community, and and we definitely need to know in what direction uh, rounds went. Uh, We obviously want to check on the welfare of anybody uh, in that direction and make sure there's no more injuries or anything like that. So the involved officer, um, the shooting officer, is removed from the scene and he's taken to the police station or, or the sheriff's office. 
if there are multiple involved officers, uh, as was the case on Friday, they're all removed from the scene, and they're not allowed to talk to one another about the incident. Um, as soon as possible, we try to assign them uh, what we call a buddy officer uh, who is obviously been uninvolved in the incident he's assigned and we'll bring people in from off duty to do this um they're assigned to the involved officer for peer support uh because you know as oftentimes are 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 not uh, realized but this officer's been through a traumatic uh traumatic incident and uh, it's not without its toll uh the buddy officer is not allowed to talk about the incident with the involved officer um, so in situations with multiple involved officers, as soon as logistically it's possible, all the officers are sequestered in physically different locations. They're in different offices or areas of the building. Um, and that, we do that to help them help reduce the temptation uh, of any reference to the, the recent incident being talked about. The lead detective will then utilize investigators from the various major crimes task force and that includes the district attorney, uh, CHP, uh, Calistoga, St. Helena, um, our office. And uh, on times, at times, they've even brought in people from the Department of Justice from the state of California. But we'll begin processing the crime scene. Uh, we'll canvas the neighborhood for eye and, and sound witnesses, people that may have heard uh, people yelling or the sound of gunfire. Uh, we'll interview possible witnesses familiar with the suspect. Uh, and we'll also begin the long, tedious task of forensic evidence processing, um, not only of the scene, but we have to process the officers. And uh, so we, we will actually remove clothing and firearms and things like that uh, from the officer, uh, depending on the, the uh, location of the shooting and the distance between uh, the person uh, or suspect and, and the officer. So... They also issue all the assignments for the investigative details, and they're done in pairs. There's two detectives that go out, and the pair consists of detectives from two different agencies. And we do that on purpose uh, to remain our independent or to keep our independence. And uh, it's worked quite well for us in the past. So the involved officers are interviewed by two detectives, as, as determined by the, the lead investigator or lead detective. And when interviewing a shooting officer, that interview is typically done by the lead detective and an investigator from the Napa DA's office. Uh, the interviews are monitored by video, and, and uh, they will also have an internal affairs investigation, uh, investigator assigned by the employing agency. So in this case, Napa PD has an assigned investigator that runs their own investigation to see if any of their policies or procedures are violated. Uh, the interviews are monitored uh, by a representative of the district attorney, uh, usually an assistant district attorney that's uh, going to be leading through the case to make sure that all we're asking questions that we legally can ask because the officer has rights also. Uh, anyway, all officers are, are video and audio recorded in these interviews. So they're done independent of one another. Uh, all the involved officers, uh, they use a, a cognitive in-depth interview technique mm -hmm. and uh, then also the lead detective and other investigators and representatives of the DA's office are, are present when the autopsy is performed. Um, 
all the forensic evidence, crime scene processing, analysis, citizen witness interviews, uh, autopsy uh, evidence, independent officer interviews, and just all the evidence um, is is compiled to give us an idea of what happened, how it happened. Um, the detective submits his complete investigation to the Napa DA's office for review. And they uh, it's up to the Napa DA to see if um, the shooting was justified, whether it was lawful. Um, it is considered a homicide investigation. And because of the length of time of some of the forensic work and things like that, it's, it's really time-consuming. And also... They're reviewing dozens and dozens of interviews, search warrant returns, physical evidence, and the completion of the officer investigation or the officer uh, involved shooting investigation can take several weeks or months in order to provide the DA's office with basically the most complete report we can get to them. And uh, again, I just want to reassure you that these things, it's, it's done very completely. Uh, we <laughs> we do make sure that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed because uh, we realize that we do have the trust of this community and we certainly don't want to lose it. We don't want something to happen that uh, where people would question, um, question us uh, and our integrity. It's extremely important to us. Uh, it's one of the few things that we have and we kind of, we stand by. Um, uh, we're we're also welcome, you know. I, I I know the question of citizen review is going to come up. I, I'm not personally in favor of citizen review. Uh, we do have a grand jury process, but I would welcome uh, I would welcome the Department of Justice from the state of California or the FBI or any of the federal agencies to come in following our investigation to take our investigation if we can if we're doing something wrong uh, in our investigative techniques if we can improve upon that. We're, we're certainly open. Uh, we would be open for criticism, and we would try to make our process better. With respect to this particular case, what kind of time frame are we looking at, do you think, in terms of the initial stages of, of your office's investigation? Well, we've, we've obviously completed the investigations of the shooting officer and the officers sure. involved. We've completed numerous investigations uh, uh, or uh, interviews of, of surrounding um, Surrounding uh, neighbors and things like that, we we have uh, we have collected our physical evidence. Um, I think the longest wait is probably going to be on toxicology um, of of the the decedent mm-hmm. or the suspect, um, and uh, you know we that is probably going to take us the longest. And uh, obviously, we're still in the process with forensic works and things. Those things do take time, and and uh, we do have to transcribe all the interviews and things like that. We don't we don't want to rush stuff. I mean, we're in we're in this uh, we're in a society where everybody wants information right now, and sometimes we're our worst enemy, as as you saw, um, I think, probably uh, earlier this week, where uh, there was a case that normally wouldn't be pushed out on a uh, on a information or a Nixle broadcast, and. Right. Uh, you know, we, we push something out there, and I think we we disturb the we disturb the community. I mean, these things, uh, whether they're mental health issues or with an accident or a, a suicide, we normally don't uh, we don't talk about those things, and we're certainly not going to push it out in a, uh, a community alert type thing. 
I want to talk, before I let you go, about the incident that happened in the vineyard on Monday because it was something that, and I don't even know if you know, made the front page of the New York Times website late yesterday. <laughs> and, a wow. little, and a little bit about how that investigation proceeds. Well, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that investigation uh, involved our department, and um, we're, we're working working through that it is a, a homicide investigation that ended in a, that with the suspect committing uh suicide um so we are conducting uh interviews right now and those interviews are going to are going to take a while it seems there's a there's several people that have things to say right. um and uh we're going to work through that it was uh it's a very bizarre case uh that <laughs> Obviously, uh, we've, uh, to my recollection, we've never had anything quite like this occur, um, and we're going to do our best to methodically work through this uh, investigation to just find out uh, what went on. Um, but it, it's it's going to take us, I would say, weeks or months um, just to go through all the interview process well, that talk, we need to do. Talk about that, because given that the suspect in the case is is not with us anymore and there's no right. obvious prosecution to be done here what is the reason for for devoting those kind of resources on the part of of the investigators to this case at this point well there there's a story and uh it's important for us it's important for the family um uh, of the victim in this case to find out just just what happened it's also important from a uh, for, from a forensic standpoint to find out. And when I say forensic, I mean I'm not talking about just the evidence at the scene, but mental forensics uh, to find out how this uh, how this occurred. And it also helps us to identify issues in the future that maybe we can interrupt if we see a pattern of uh, mental health uh, behavior um, where we can get involved. And we can interrupt this because obviously we don't want. Uh, I don't know if it was if it was planned. I I don't know um, if there were identifiers in there that we could have could have seen. Um, certainly there were, you know, some anger uh, issues and and some steps that I don't know. Maybe we could have stepped in and and seen something and prevented this from happening, but. Uh, I don't know. And finally, before I let you go, are there any resources that have been needed that weren't available, things that we need to look towards in the future in terms of the availability of resources, either individually or when there's uh, a, a cluster of problems like we've had this week? Well, we're, uh, we're, we're getting ready for uh, a critical incident uh, debrief where basically we're bringing in uh, people from outside that can deal with... Um, that are dealing with our employees and dealing with the, the dispatcher um, that took the call. If we're talking about last uh, uh, Monday's call, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we have, you know, obviously we have people that are that are affected by this, and we want to give them a chance to uh, to uh, you know talk about it and work through it. They have to work through on their own terms, and and it's it's. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that they're okay, that their families are okay. Uh, like I said, this doesn't happen very often, 
And uh, so it's important for us to take care of our our employees because they're also victims of this kind of thing. Napa County Sheriff John Robertson, I thank you so much for spending time with us here on NapaBroadcasting.com. Local voices, local conversations, NapaBroadcasting.com.